With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to episode 55 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast and it's Sean Basto, your host here as always. Welcome to another episode and another week of boxing to talk about. This week's episode is obviously going to focus on the Ultimate Boxer Tournament on the Friday and we're also going to cover off the Great World Boxing Super Series show at the SSE Hydro Arena in Glasgow. Also to look forward to on this week's episode, we've got Tony Bellew. Going in against Alexander Usyk. Does he dare to be great? Does he dare to go down as a legend? Well, he's got a monumentous task ahead of him in Alexander Usyk. So I'm really looking forward to discussing that fight this weekend. And any news and gossip, any questions for the Q&A segment, and this week in boxing history, all in episode 55. A boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news. News, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome again, guys, to episode 55 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Sean Basto, your host here, as always, bringing boxing to your ears. So, we've just been talking about it at the top of the show there. We want to talk about what's been going on uh, over the past weekend. Ultimate Boxer Friday night. Really good. <laughs> I've got to say, really, really good. The first one I uh, I was in attendance for in Manchester, and I did enjoy that. And it was the first of its kind of Ultimate Boxer. And it was a decent setup the first time round, and I thought it was not bad. But the second one, for me, uh, has, has really done well. I think the second edition, the light heavyweight tournament that we've seen on Friday, it definitely stepped up from what it was on the last one in Manchester. It, the, again, the whole staging, the fact that it was at the Indigo O2, it, the, the, the setup, the event, again, really good. The competitiveness of, of, of the fights that were in there on this one was really, really good. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail that in a minute. Really decent. The only thing that I think lacks with these tournaments is obviously an undercard, but it's difficult when you've got 
obviously eight fighters you've got quarterfinals semi-finals final all in one night uh, and obviously it was like oh, was it near midnight before the, the actual tournament finished I think it was maybe even after it I can't remember but it was a long night and obviously when you're there and as a fan it's going to be you know quite a long event and obviously there's the breaks in between the fights as well to, to compensate for that as well so yeah, did he enjoy it? Yeah, really enjoyed it. I thought he was really, really good and a lot better than the first time round. So let's just go through it then. Let's talk about what happened. Uh, in the first quarter final, we had Joel McIntyre against Daryl Church. McIntyre beats him. Great right hand in the first round en route to a unanimous decision victory. I've got to admit, Church deserved a bit of kudos for just surviving that bout because his leg buckled badly beneath him uh, as he went down that first time round. Then we had the next quarterfinal where Dex Spellman battered Sam Horsfall and advanced to the semi-finals with a second round TKO, including three knockdowns. It's quite a fast-paced fight, that one, and it's what you expect out of these type of tournaments. You expect that both guys are going to go in there, try and end it early and get as much rest as possible, but there's always that big risk that they're going to get caught as well. We moved on to the next one, and Chicken Pitters burst into life in the second round of his quarterfinal to have Sam Smith on the verge of being stopped. He cruised through the third to book his place in the final four with a unanimous decision. And then we got to the fourth and final quarterfinal, which was Georgie Bacon and Jordan Joseph. They both traded a knockdown with each other in the first stanza. Uh, late replacement Georgie Bacon, by the way, surprised most in attendance by scoring a dubious split decision win. And in a bizarre first semi-final Dex Bellman and Joel McIntyre were both hurt in round two yet shockingly each man scored counter-punch knockdowns when their opponent was on top which is which is weird you just don't see these things happen but this is what the beauty of this tournament was all about uh, there was little else to separate him in this one and it was a decision that went down like a lead balloon with some people a lot of people felt like Joel McIntyre clearly won that and there's a lot of people a lot of guys that support him and his team were saying on social media that he won this fight a bloodied spellman took the majority decision and that didn't go down too well i can understand why it depends on how you want to score these kind of fights because they're only three round fights they're very fast paced they're very frantic you trade lots of blows it must be difficult as a judge to kind of score these fights do you just go off the fact that one man's more aggressive than the other or do you go off the fact that you're just going to look at the quality of the punching that's in there I think if you're looking at the quality of the punching that was in there you'd probably favour Joel McIntyre in this one but Dex Spellman got the nod and he moved on and the next one, shocking Pitters boxed smartly behind his jab against Georgie Bacon in the semi-final. He then switched to the body and eventually broke Bacon down before the referee counted him out after a second knockdown in round number two, which led to the final, which was between Dex Bellman and Chicken Pitters. Now, obviously, Dex Bellman had had a lot more... Uh, well, he was a bit more war-torn by the time the final came. It must have been difficult for him to go back, have that, have that little rest that they get and come back in, he must have been absolutely knackered because I can imagine the adrenaline pumping through his body at this point and he must have been a little bit fatigued as well, but when he got to the final and Pitters again, he, he was really good body work on this night got some really good shots off uh, he began to dominate Spellman in the first round he scored a knockdown in the first round Spellman tried his body his way back into the fight but Ken Pitters remained smart behind his long jab. He deservedly got the decision and became the second ever ultimate boxer and the holder of the golden robe, which was presented at the end by Paulie Malinagi. So 
again, another great action-packed evening there at the O2 Arena. And I was a bit sceptical about whether they'd do well at the O2, but it seemed to seem to be decent. I mean, I wasn't there in attendance. Elliot Stock covered it for us for Eat Sleep Boxing and Pete. He said it was a really good show. He really enjoyed it. He'd spoke to Dex Bellman at the weigh-in before. Uh, and Dex Bellman, to be fair to him, you've got to remember, he was the man, uh, the last man to ever face Scott Westgarth after his tragic passing earlier on this year. So, you know, you always wonder whether, psychologically, that was always going to be on his mind, but you wouldn't have thought so on Friday night. He did really, really well, and it's just a shame. I think he got. I think he was shot worn by the time he got to the final. But Shakim Pitts really he used all his physical advantages uh, and took the win on the night, which was really, really good. There was a little bit of an undercard to it. Uh, Love Island former reality TV participant Idris Virgo slugged his way to a four-round decision over Lithuanian journeyman Valdas Balciuskas. And he gets a victory, and he starts his little career going. And I wouldn't mind seeing him with a cut in with a couple of the the, the southern fighters that are, are down there. I'm sure the guys on Fight Talk and New Age Boxing Podcasts will have a few names that are in there, that are on their lips that they'd think about putting him in with. But it's difficult when they don't put much of an undercard on. There's not really much to, to. There's a lot of breaks in between stuff, and that can be quite frustrating, especially if you're a fan and you're there and you're trying to cover it. It's. Uh, it is pretty difficult. But overall, like I said, I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was a decent show. Elliot Stott did a great job covering it for us for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat, so I'm really chuffed with that. So I, th- I, th- I think the concept of it, people are always going to say it's a rip-off from Prize Fighter, and I can understand why, because it's the same format, it's the same style, but they do their own They do their own little things. Let's, let, you know, let's be honest. They do their own way of, of, of setting everything up and the pre- presentation of it all is different. I think the only negative side of things, I think they need to get a bit of a better team of people in there. Now, obviously, I don't have anything against the guys of like Hugh and Cassius and Michelle Joy Phelps. I don't have nothing against them, but I think I'd, I'd, I'd prefer... Uh, different people. I, I don't know who. I'm, you know, people will be saying that. Well, who who else can you get in, John? Who else could do the job? At this moment in time, I don't know. I just don't. It doesn't feel right that these guys that normally do all the YouTube stuff and the internet stuff uh, uh, are doing the presenting. I'm, I'm not used to it. I think that's probably what it is. I'm personally not used to seeing them doing the presenting side as opposed to them doing the YouTube, you know, behind the camera sometimes and on the camera on YouTube. I'm not used to it that much. I'm... Yeah, I think I think that's all it is. But I think who else did the the Radio One guy doing it? I can't remember his name. That's how interested I was in him. I I, I think you need somebody who's within boxing, regardless uh, of whether they're an average presenter or a good presenter. They need to be part of boxing. They need to be part of the boxing family. You know, Coogan and Michelle Joy Phipps are part of the boxing family. They've crafted their own reputation. So. Fair play, they've got a great gig here, but I don't want to see Radio 1 presenters. I, I want to see people that are within the sport of boxing. You know, maybe, you know, somebody that's a trainer or a coach or somebody that can provide a, a, a different insight into it, maybe. That'd be good for the future, but overall, I enjoyed the show. I thought a lot of people seemed to enjoy the show, and there was a lot of people on social media that give it a lot of props this time round. I think it'll do well. I think it definitely needs to be expanded 
to the other divisions. I think you'd like to see some of the divisions lower. I think you'd want to see someone like the, the lightweight divisions or the super lightweight divisions in there. And there's definitely got to be a heavyweight ultimate boxer. Come on. We've got to see that, haven't we, at some point. That's the one that everybody loves. Remember the heavyweight prize fighters that Matchroom did? We, we loved them, didn't we? Come on, we loved them. I want to see that as well. I want to see the ultimate boxer heavyweight version. Give the undefeated guys, not always the undefeated guys, but even the guys that need a, a bit of a push in the career this gives them the chance to do that it gets them on a stage where they've got an opportunity to put themselves on a platform where it may present themselves with opportunities in the future for better fights or promoters might look at them and go actually we, we won't want to take this guy on and this is what you've got to think about as a fighter in a fighter's mind yeah you're potentially going to lose your your role but it's not all about losing your role it's about learning the trade learning the craft there's, I've always said this and I'll say it again there's no part of going in there with 20 journeymen and 20 of the journey, you know 19 out of the 20 journeymen just go there to survive and don't really give you a fight there's no point you want to go in there with guys that are going to give you a fight and when it's undefeated fighters the majority of the time they go hell for leather because they're not scared of losing their undefeated record that's the way I see it I could be wrong. People could have a difference of opinion on it. I don't really care, to be honest with you. I think that's the way it is. Anyway, let's move on. Should we go over to Saturday's shows? Well, let's talk about that. But before we do that, we're just going to get another guest on the show, a new guest, a fresh voice. We're going to get Jordan Neal, a relatively new writer for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat. Really great guy, really knowledgeable guy in boxing, so I'm really happy to get him on the show. Going to get his thoughts on The Ultimate Boxer. Um, we're going to talk about the World Boxing Super Series and obviously all the news and gossip stuff that's been going on in the past week. So, Jordan, nice to get you on the show. How's it going? Yeah, hi Sean. Thanks for having me on. No problem. It's great to have you on, Jordy. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. How are you? Yeah, no, it's good. It's great to get a, a fresh voice onto the show, as I was just saying then. It's uh, really good to speak to somebody who's got different opinions and yeah, obviously loves the boxing as much as I do. And, you know, we've, you've started doing a few articles for EC Boxing yeah. Repeat's website and, you know, they're, they're, they're really good and they're starting to, to get the attention that, that you want and, and it's, it's really good to have you on board. But obviously I've got you on today to talk about what's been going on in the past week and I've just covered Ultimate Boxer off. So I think the first thing, Oh, first, yeah. what, what were your thoughts on it? Um, I'm just to be honest, in the old prize fighter sort of setup, but I mean, I, I am a fan of it. I know it, it can be a bit crazy with the music and whatnot, and that's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think it gives people exposure. You know, these lads who are fighting on there, you know, they're not television television fighters at the moment, and you know, they're, they're on there Friday night and they're getting their, their shot at. You know, showing the public what they can do. So I think it's a good. I think it's a good setup. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the the future cards, and I hope they keep going. To be honest, do you think that a heavyweight tournament would be quite a good one to have? I think it's obviously because you know we're all. I mean, some of the fights the other night they were they were going for me from from the very beginning, and I mean if if we transition that over to heavyweights, I mean you're going to have an entertaining card there. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think. If you asked anyone what what weight class do you want to see next, I think everyone, bar a few, would say 
get the heavyweights in. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed it. I was just um, I was just talking about it beforehand before you came on, and I was talking about I went to the first one, uh, the welterweight yeah. one, which was in Manchester, and I enjoyed it, and I thought it was a decent decent setup in there, and people seemed to enjoy it. But this one for me just seemed to be. Uh, a step up from the last one it seemed to be better yeah. the, the setup the organisation was a little bit better uh, and, and, and the fights in general were a lot better than the last time as well yeah I think they're, they're obviously backed well aren't they I mean the production's good and you know they got the, the guests and you know the people doing it and who know what they're doing so I mean I think you're right I think the fights were good I mean the, the guy who won it pieces I think you know he's got he's got a good future ahead of himself I've seen him on social media saying that he'd spoken to Eddie Hearn and, you know, Eddie Hearn had told him, go win Ultimate Boxer and come back and have a chat. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't. I wasn't surprised, mate, if we get an announcement in the next week about him being no. signed up with Eddie Hearn. No, I, I wouldn't uh, at all. And I mean, obviously, you know, McIntyre, he, he was set up to be fighting for the English title, if I'm not if I'm not wrong. So Yeah, it's still happening, I believe, yeah. Yeah, we've got some good lads in there and, you know, hopefully the start, the setup just goes from strength to strength now, and you're getting bigger names and obviously better fighters. And I think it's a good little addition. I mean, we're we're uh, spoiled for boxing at the moment. No, we and are. I'll always, be, I'll always be tuning into Ultimate Boxing in the future, and I think a lot of people will be the same. Well, I've covered a lot of Ultimate Boxer off. I don't want to spend too much time on it because uh, I think yeah. people listening to the podcast will have heard me already giving my thoughts and my rants about uh, certain people's opinions and stuff. But obviously, yeah. I got you. I've got you on for a good point because we're going to talk about the World Boxing Super Series card that's just gone, and obviously Josh yeah. Taylor's fight with Ryan Martin and Burnett versus Nanito Donaire. So uh, the undercard. Uh, I was talking about undercards before uh, I brought you on, Jordy, and obviously undercard for me it's got to be good it's got to be something that's substantial it's got to if the, especially if the main event is well if it's a little bit sort of substandard and something you wouldn't expect to pay for normally then it's got to be a good undercard but this was streamed for free on various different platforms including IFL Boxing News and obviously World Boxing Super Series YouTube channel so it had all this different level of exposure and a really good uh, two main event fights and then the undercard was really good as well wasn't it? Yeah and I think that's been that's been a criticism of the World Boxing Super Series hasn't it? The lack of undercard on some of their cards and I mean this one was, you know, Zach Parker and Darrell Williams, they, they, you know, that was a good fight. I know he got injured early on, but, I mean, that that still turned into, and uh, obviously Paul Butler was on there as the reserve, uh, Postol was on there, yeah. he didn't quite see see the stream, did he? But, you know, that, that's, a, that's a deep undercard, and, it, and it's good, and I hope it continues to be like that, because a couple of the earlier, car, uh, earlier World Boxing Super Series shows, the undercard weren't great. And I think, you know, some people, especially myself, you know, if I see these shows, I know not everyone's like me and you, but I want to see top to bottom, you know what I mean? Or bottom to top, as it were. And I want to see, you know, good fights from the very beginning. And uh, I hope it does continue with the World Boxing Super Series. Absolutely. What did you make then of the uh, Daryl Williams and Zach Parker fight? Because that was very controversial and it's still, it's still doing the rounds now. I mean, it's, it's, what is it? it's Monday now and people are still debating the hell out of it. I mean, it's tough because, you know, Parker's been overlooked a bit because he, he showed a lot of heart there to get through that fight. You know, people, he could have easily come out of that fight and, you know, they scheduled the rematch. Yeah. So, yeah, so people are sort of overlooking that and, and 
look, I thought Williams won, and I know most other people do, but you've got to give Parker some credit. You know, he, he's shown he's shown a lot of ball to be in there. But that said, I do feel for Williams. I seen his interview with uh, IFL, and you know, the guy was broken, and nobody wants to see that. And I know he took a little spell out retirement, didn't he, after his uh, fight with Smile. And I hope that doesn't happen again. You know, I hope he gets back on the horse quickly and he can get himself another shot at the British. I think it was just one of them situations for, for, for Williams. I mean, a lot of people, including myself, including yourself, felt like it was a, a Williams win. And I, I struggled to sort of see how Parker won it. But then, again, it's always going to be divided in opinion. People are going to look at it and interpret that fight in a completely different way. I mean, obviously the fact that he was injured so early on, Parker, and the way he, he got through that fight. But regardless of the injury, it, for me, he was still outboxed by Williams. And yeah. that, that, that's that's not... It, it obviously ruins uh, the, the careers of some people. And like you said there, I just hope it doesn't ruin the career of Williams now because he's shown that he... Yeah, is a very good uh, super middleweight and he, he's definitely up there with obviously all the other British super middleweights that uh, are looking for sort of British title level at the moment and you know I, th- I think he was as go as far as to say I think he was a little bit robbed in this one No, oh, but I think you're right mate but as you said he's shown that he can mix it up there and there's some good fights there you know and you know he's got he's got a very exciting style you know he's right there in, in your face and he's throwing and he's you know he's ducking and Gives it everything from the first belt to the last. And I think that's why it sort of leaves a bad taste because this is a guy who left it in there, you know, give everything for the British belt. And, you know, he's come up short and that is controversial. But I, I think we'll see it again. I do think we'll see it again. I think um, Park has managed by some by some good people. And, you know, I hope to give Williams another shot. We'd all want to see it, let's be honest. I mean, Parker will say he can win in in better fashion and Williams will say what rightfully is so I think it's something that we need to see again yeah, no, I agree. I, I'd like to see that fight again. I think uh, I think there's going to be... It wouldn't surprise me if Williams' team put some sort of appeal into the, the board of control for this because I think uh, an appropriate way of dealing with it is to, to put an immediate rematch on. I mean, I think there was one card on there that I was just like, what the hell is that judge watching? 112, yeah. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, seriously, like, I'm no professional judge. I've never been trained to be a professional judge, but... I mean, I've watched boxing for that long and interpreted fights for that long that I can honestly say, uh, you know, seven or eight times out of ten, I'd, I'd probably get it near enough right. But that one seventeen, one twelve was. I mean, you you had him what five? You had him five rounds up there. Uh, I mean, that, for me, that 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 wasn't right. I mean, if if any card was right and any card was correct on the night, would have been uh, Ian John Lewis's, which was one fifteen, one thirteen to Williams, yeah. which obviously, yeah, exactly. So it, and that for me was was the reality of the fight. It was a competitive fight. Uh, Zach Parker, bless him, you know, he, he shown absolute bollocks to to do what he did. But I just think he was he was just slightly out outclassed and outpunched now. Him, but hey ho, you know we're never gonna we're never gonna get everybody that agrees with it, and I just hope that they do the right thing and make the rematch for yeah. that one. I mean, they in terms of the judging, it's something you know we're speaking about it almost weekly now. Yeah, you know it's 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 just every every card at the moment it seems like there's there's something controversial in there in terms of judging, mm. and you know sooner that changes the better. But as you say, you know I hope to see it again, and you know just for Williams' sake because. After the fight scene and the interviews, you know, the guy did look broken and I don't want to see that and I'm sure 
you know the listeners and everyone else doesn't want to see that and hope he he gets another crack at it because I think he can be a good he can be in some good fights Williams I think he you know he can make a good career whether he wins belts or, or not is you know I'm not I'm not here to say that but I think he can be in some good fights and be in some exciting fights for the fans. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, we've got to look at who's around him, super middleweight-wise, domestically, that have not already sort of stepped up to the world. You've got the likes, obviously, of David Brophy, Jamie Cox, uh, Tommy yeah. Philbin. You, you know, like, you've even got Lennox Clark, who's undefeated there, you know, in 17 fights as well. Yeah. So there's quite a few fighters around him. And there's a couple of guys here from the Northwest that are creeping up that rankings. We've got uh, Jake Haig uh, and Mikey Ellison and, and yeah. Diego Costa, all guys that are really pushing up that super middleweight level and and you know we could see some really cracking fights in the future for him but I don't want to I don't want to dwell too much on it because obviously there was two other fights on that card uh you know yeah. co-main events we had obviously Ryan Burnett against Nonito Donaire and it was it was quite a harrowing end to the fight with what happened and uh, obviously I'll come to you in a minute Geordie and I watched it, the, the obviously the fight and I thought to myself you know Burnett's just getting warmed up here and then as soon as he threw and pivoted with that right hand you just you seen it you just see the back go you just and I was just like oh my god his back's gone and how how he managed to even sort of carry on even for them few seconds I, I do not know and to see him getting stretched out on oxygen was uh, was not the sight I wanted to see and obviously it's not the way he would have wanted to have lost his title and fair play to Nonito Donaire the respect the guy shows and the way he composes himself uh, and conducts himself is 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 brilliant to see in boxing and uh, I was gutted for Burnett but obviously the show is going to have to go on now and that means Donaire moves on to fight Solani Tate in the next round but your thoughts then Jordi what did you, you you make of it going into that fourth round before the injury occurred? I thought Burnett was winning, but I think, you know, Denier came to win that fight. You know, he wasn't there to, to make up the numbers, as some people have suggested. Um, in terms of the injury, I'm just glad Burnett had someone like Adam Booth in his corner. He took the decision out of his hands, you know, because Burnett was, I think you can see he's trying to, he's trying to still stand up in it off his stool. Yeah. You know, Adam Adam Booth took that out of his hands and stopped it, rightly so. You know, save uh, Burnett's 26. He's got a massive career ahead of him. I hope he can. And um, yeah, as you said about well, Denier, he's, he's a classy bloke, and um, I don't think anyone has a bad way to say about Nanito Denier. No, no. You know, if if if, he, if someone was going to be a beneficiary of what happened, then you know, Denier's the man because he is literally the nicest man in boxing. So he goes on now, and he's going to have to go and fight Tete. Do you give him a chance against Alani Tete Denier? Um, I'm a massive Tete fan, but. That said, um, Tete can, I mean, he can look absolutely dazzling, you know, as he did against Paul Butler and et al. But, you know, he can switch off and he can, you know, sort of coast through fights. You know, we've seen him knock somebody out in six rounds, you know, not so long, uh, six seconds, sorry, yeah, not yeah. so long ago. But, um, yeah, I think he can coast at times. And then, you know, I know he's getting old, but he'll never lose that little bit of power. So I think that does make it exciting. But, you know, if if I was putting money on it, you know, I wouldn't look too far past Tete. I mean, just looking forward, I don't want to look past, but seeing Tete against the new A would be an absolute absolute barnstormer yeah I agree I, I, that's, that is the final I, I want that is the final I want to see personally because I think yeah. that would be an absolute clash of styles and 
we, yeah. we'll get to see really out of the two of these fighters who is who is the best because obviously both guys at the moment are being touted by different different sources and different people and different media outlets you know to say yeah. they are, they are the best fighter in the bantamweight division in the world and hopefully we'll you know we'll get to see that but Nanine Sodonair, like you said earlier, he, he, he wasn't there just to make up the numbers. He was there to win. Uh, he didn't win it in the fashion he wanted to, but, you know, what's to say he doesn't go in there with the same hunger and desire against Tete and cause another upset? I mean, imagine if imagine if that happened, what sort of shock, shock waves that would cause. I mean, Tanez, he, he's a nice man, but he's a dangerous man. And, you know, it's hard to say he can't do it because, you know, He's proved time and time again that he can. So, I mean, as I said, I backed Tete to come through this, but it's a very, very good competitive fight and one that I'm really excited to watch. Going on then, Jordy, main event, Josh Taylor and Ryan Martin. And uh, I, I, Josh Taylor just seems to be getting better and better with every single fight that I see him in. He just seems to be stepping up the levels. I mean, obviously you beat Postol and he looked great in doing that. He had, a, you know, he got hit a couple of times. He got a few, you know, good punches from Postol and we got to, got to see his chin get tested in that fight and him overcome any type of adversity that he'd faced. But then he goes in against Ryan Martin, fellow undefeated fighter, who I said on last week's episode of the podcast that he, he, for, for, for the casual audience, he was relatively unknown, other than a win against Brady's Prescott, who obviously we know squashed Amir Khan a few years back. Nobody really knew who he was, and it was obviously down to the production of World Boxing Super Series to kind of tell us his story a little bit. But going into that fight, nobody backed against Josh Taylor, I don't think, and he came out of it even more uh, rave reviews than what he went into it. And now there's a lot of people saying that he, he is going to win this tournament. He's going to win the Super Lightweight World Boxing Super Series Ali Trophy. And he's going to go on to become a world champion. And, I mean, I think the next fight, is it, has he got Kirill Relic in his next fight? Is that who he's got next? Yeah, I believe. So, yeah, oh, Branch, yeah, 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 I forgot yeah. about them. I believe that's who it is. But, as I said, just Taylor, I think the most impressive thing for me is uh, he's a supreme boxer. And he's he's got a fant- he's got fantastic talent, but it's his confidence. You know, he I believe that he knows that there's it's gonna take someone special to beat him. And you can sort of see that in the fight. Like he showed Martin no respect. You know, he, he dictated the fight from the minute it started. And um, I think that was impressive from Taylor. No, I I really enjoyed the the way he picked his combinations in the fight. I really enjoyed the way he worked the body, uh, and I think it was that I think it was the body shot which led to the hook round the head, which sort of finished the fight off. And the referee had seen enough at that point, and it was just the way he just confidently picked them punches and the way he was able to dispatch of of Martin in, in such a fashion that. It's leaving people thinking. Actually, this guy is is possibly up there as one of the best super lightweights uh, in the world at the moment, and he's just he, he's just an uncrowned champion in waiting. That's yeah. all it is with him. I mean, people are being. Uh, I think people are being a bit harsh on Martin, saying that you know. I've seen a couple of people saying he's he's terrible and stuff like that. He's not terrible. Josh Taylor's exceptional, and yeah, you know, there's not going to be many super lightweights who live with him. I mean. Taylor vs. Progar is just, I don't know, I'd pay a lot of money to watch that fight. 
you know that that could that could absolutely light up. But um, as I said, the, a lot of people are saying he is just a champion without a belt, and I think they're right to be honest. And I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Taylor went on and become a champion in a couple of weight divisions. He's that good. Yeah, no, I agree, and and that's what I'm looking forward to. And I, I think I'd said from day one uh, when the tournament was announced that I think I was, if I remember right, I did say Josh Taylor is probably the man to beat in this tournament. So it's, it's it's showing us at the moment. It's showing us that that's the case, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how far he can go and if he's going to come out of this a world champion, which I expect him to do, uh, and then go on from there and and, and light up the super super lightweight division uh, from a from a obviously British Scottish standpoint. And I think that'll be fantastic to see. So uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed the card. Uh, I'm really impressed with the way they've stepped it up. I mean. Before this particular card uh, this weekend just gone, there was a lot of people sort of hitting and missing over it. A lot of people were complaining about the fact that it was being shown on YouTube and why is a, a UK broadcaster not getting it? But then there's the say, these same people week in, week out are all, also complaining about why everything's on pay-per-view all the time as well. I think that, I don't think boxing fans will ever be happy with completely. <laughs> but I mean, it's a him. I don't mind the YouTube thing. I mean, I think that's the way we're digesting content in this day and age. I think everything's sort of going over to a streaming service anyway. And obviously no. YouTube being that sort of way. And, you know, obviously the introduction of The Zone and stuff, we were, you know, of a similar ilk. I think that's the way we're going. And, you know, people need just need to get on board. It's free boxing at the end of the day. And, it's, and it was a very good card. You know, and the more we can get free boxing, then we all win. I know, I to- you know what, I totally 100% agree and I was saying this to uh, a few people on social media uh, last week, funnily enough, that they were complaining about the fact that it was on YouTube and I was just like, well, have you not got a smart TV? If you've not got a smart TV, surely you've got some sort of smart device which will allow you to watch this. And even if you, you've got a, a mobile device with YouTube on it, most of the time these days you can just cast it straight to your telly. Yeah. I mean, unless you're living in an age where you've still got one of them big tellies with the big back boxes on them, do you know, which I, I'd probably say most households haven't these days and most have got at least a, a minimum a HD telly or some sort of device like Skyboxes now you've got you've got YouTube on Skyboxes and you've got YouTube on Virgin Media Boxes and again a lot of households in the UK have that or if they don't have that they have some sort of uh, enable, smart enabled device which will allow them to stream the boxing through YouTube and for me it's a win-win situation for, for fans in, in the UK you can't complain when they're putting cards on like that for free and it's just there right in front of you all the time yeah as I said I'm a massive fan and I probably say you know it'd be it's easier to watch YouTube than it is to have a Sky subscription yeah. so I mean um, yeah I, I'm a fan and you know if, if as I said, I put on my social media. As long as they've got the facilities to cope with the traffic that is going to go to the website and be watching at the same time, then there's no problem for me. No, you know, as long as it, as long as it's not buffering and we're not having stop and starting, then I'm in. Yeah, no, I agree. Obviously, that's something that you know they'll have to ensure that that, that you know that that's what will cause a lot of problems if if that kept on happening. But so far, so good, and everyone's been really impressed with it. So yeah, I, I was really impressed with the whole show, to be honest with you. And I thought it was uh, another good weekend for boxing, and I really enjoyed it. And we got to see some great fights. And uh, again, British boxing at the moment is just absolutely booming. Oh, it it is brilliant. I mean, you know, there's been it's well documented that you know. There, there was a lull in British boxing, but 
you know, love or hate Eddie Ayn and his relationship with Frank Wadden and stuff like that. You know, we're very lucky now as boxing fans. We've got multiple shows each weekend. There's almost too much. You know, I find myself having to watch a couple of shows on Sunday. I know, I know. And it's, it's, it's happening again, isn't it, over the over the yeah. next couple of months? We obviously, you know, we've got the announcement of uh, Chisora and White, which we'll, uh, we'll touch on a little bit later on in the show on the news and gossip section. But, yeah, it just seems to be absolutely booming at the moment. So, I think we've... Um, I've covered off Ulama Boxer and we've covered off World Boxing Super Series card. Uh, I, I think the only other fight which I managed to catch up on, funnily enough, uh, today uh, was the Miguel Belcherel fight and Miguel Roman fight. Um, yeah. I, I managed to catch that today and obviously that was uh, another victory for Bachel over Roman. Nice, yeah, he is, isn't it? He? he really is. But to be honest, Roman's a <laughs> fair play to him, you know what I mean? He... he, he, he he didn't back the hand, but you know, but Chelton monster, and you know he's gonna he's gonna take some stuff. Oh, absolutely. Well, Jordy, I think this is the, the the point in the podcast where we move on and we talk about the one big card which is coming up next Saturday. And I'm, you know what, really excited for it. It's Alexander Usyk and Tony Bellew, undisputed cruiserweight titles, everything up for grabs. Tony Bellew's last fight, win, lose or draw, is retiring after this one. I, I've been pumped for this fight ever since it was announced because we we, we were just talking before we came, you came on the podcast that. It, Tony Bellew was sort of half out the door for retirement is what you said to me before and he's got this big fight against Usyk and it's a chance to it's a chance to put himself down as one of the, the, the probably the most legendary fighters in Britain I, I, I'm along the likes of people like Ricky Hatton and uh, you know Nigel Benn and Joe Calzaghe and all them like all them names throughout history Tony Bellews could be up there with him especially if he goes and does this on Saturday night yeah I mean obviously I'm from the same part of the world as, as Bellew and you know he's a hero around here and you know as you say just to be same bracket as, as the, the aforementioned fighters you know no one had predicted that, you know, when Bellew was getting beat by Adonis Stevenson and the Cleverly fights and, you know, Chilemba fights. So what he's done is remarkable, really. But, yeah, he was halfway out the door. But there's no way you can turn down this fight with Yusuf. I mean, as he said in a couple of a couple of interviews he's done, you know, he he heard about Yusuf calling him out while he was on his honeymoon. And, you know, he knew he was fighting then. And I think that, that, that tells you all you need to know about Bellew. He's a fighting man and, you know, he is the underdog, but... If anyone can do it, you know, in that division, you've got to say it's Tony Bell. You, I think Usyk's special. I honestly do, and I think he poses real problems at heavyweight as well. But I mean, I'll be, I'll be back on Bell. You, and I hope you know the boxing gods are looking down on him and kind of let him bow out as a undisputed champion. Right, well, I'll tell you what, right, for, for obviously for the listeners that have followed the podcast for a while or for guys that are only just picking this up, my opinion on Tony Bellew has always uh, been this. I've watched Tony Bellew's career from very early on uh, and and the way he's progressed through the, the domestic ranks up to where he is at this moment in time. And it, for me, he's been very much uh, a, a Marmite personality because you've, yeah. you've, you, you've seen him go through adversity and overcome the adversity and come out on the other side of it but then in the same sense you've you've seen him get this persona outside of the ring especially in the build up to fights where 
he's portraying the character that he was uh, in, in the in the Creed film that he filmed yeah. a couple of years ago. He was portraying that character out, and, and he seemed to be sort of, you know, funnily enough, I don't know if that was actually around the same time uh, or not long, not long after that sort of period of time where he seemed to be really really cocky and arrogant outside of the ring uh, he seemed to go into that role and maybe that's what got him the role in the first place but I mean like the Adonis Stevenson fight to be honest that was the one that'll always stand out with me where I felt to myself I'm not so keen on you at the moment Tony because you, you're going in there with this this attitude like you're going to absolutely rip this guy's head off and in reality you're going in there with a guy who is uh, a quite a special fighter and uh, as yet today has still yet to be beaten and it's quite you know it's quite evident that he, he Adonis Stevenson is a, is a is a special talent but I didn't like the attitude at the time personally and then from there on when he got when he got humbled by Stevenson for me from then on it's where his persona changed again and he, he just became this fighting man this uh, as he says he does it for his family it, you know it, it was all about being family orientated the persona and, and doing what he wanted to do and wanting to make a mark in boxing and the whole media side of things the interviews he was conducting just he just came across 10 times better as a person and that's when I had always sort of had a soft spot for him but that kind of for me cemented it the way he was being and then watching him overcome certain adversities and then to watch him win the cruiserweight title uh, at Goodison Park was you know uh, when, he, when he when he beat Macabre, I you know I jumped out of me see at the time I was I was absolutely buzzing for him because I felt like the man deserved it from what he'd overcame uh, to where he'd got himself to he deserved that win and obviously we've had the fights with Hay now and, and, and all the trash talk and the calling him out and going a little bit back to Tony Bellew of old but we know why he did it now we know he did it because he wanted to get them fights he got the fights he got good paydays for them they look good wins on his record although Hay was, for me, a little bit past his best. Some people will say he was a bit further than that past his best, but on paper, they look very good wins, especially the second one. Uh, he looked uh, decimating in, in beating Hay in the second fight. And now he's got this big, big opportunity against Alexander Usyk, who, like you say, Jordi, is a special talent. And the way he has dismantled and broke down his opponents even prior to becoming professional is is, is something to, to respect and like you said, boxing gods I mean, from, from a British standpoint I hope they are shining down on him on Saturday and I hope he wins but my head, my heart wants Tony to win my head says Usyk wins and possibly uh, I don't want to say late stoppage but I kind of had that swirling around my mind but I'm hoping Tony get, you know, gets to go the distance if he beats him with that check left hook, again I'll be doing the uh, the happy dance if he wins. But, <laughs> but again, obviously, him being from Liverpool and being a bit of a hero now in Liverpool, uh, how much would it mean to to the guys and the fans of Liverpool if he if he did this if he if he won this on Saturday night? It'll be huge. I think it would be huge for British boxing and especially you know the city of Liverpool. I mean, a couple of people have spoken. You know, it is a bit in jest, but. I've sort of said, if, you know, if he wins, it's it's statue territory. It sort of, it, it literally is that big. And I mean, for future generations of of boxers, you know, to say, you know, Bellew was undisputed champion and from Liverpool, you know, that can only have a good knock on effect. That can only get kids in gyms and exactly. that can only get kids fighting and and you know, learning the art of boxing. And I think that that's not a, that can never be a bad thing. So, I mean, he is up against it. Uh, 
as, as we've touched on, Yusuf is a is an absolute beast. You know, I watched the Gassier fight with with my dad, who's not a not a massive boxing fan, and he just turned to me and said, "Who is this guy? I, he is special, and you know that's what he, he is. And there's a chance for Yusuf to to be shown to the masses and for people to really appreciate how good Yusuf is. And um, you know, if the best if the best Yusuf turns up, you know, it's hard to give it to Tony, but we know that's not always the case in boxing, and that's what makes it exciting. But I mean, yeah, Yusuf is special, and I hope Tony can do it. But as you say, it's a bit of heart overhead at the moment. Yeah, I, well, I think um, I think maybe Thursday, Friday this week, I'll uh, I'll do a little twenty-minute preview, more of a breakdown about how the fight could be won for Tony and how the fight could be won for for Usyk. But I'll move on now from this fight and to the rest of the card now obviously it's a box office event and people again I always touch on it because people will always slag the fact that it's a box office event the, the fight alone just just sell it for me personally I do think it's justified the undercard's now shaping up to be a little bit uh, better than what it was initially about a week ago and we'll touch on a few of the fights on there which I think are quite notable and, and good ones to talk about so Anthony Crawler uh, looks like he's gonna it looks like he's chief support whether they change that on the night I don't know but it looks like Crawler's going to be chief support obviously with him being from Manchester this fight against his opponent Dow Jordan is I, I, I can't remember if it's WBA or WBO it's, I know it's an eliminator for one of the lightweight titles and he will get another, essentially another shot at a world title. Now, I speak to Anthony quite a lot, and he genuinely, he's, he's not just there for the bunny. He's not just there thinking, oh, you know, I've, I'm just going to secure the rest of my future. Yeah, he's going to be doing that anyway, but he genuinely believes that he will become a world champion. Again, he genuinely has that hunger and desire to do it. Now, his opponent, Jordan, which, again, a casual audience will not know who the hell he is because he's obviously not fought uh, over here. He's fought a lot of his fights uh, over in Singapore, in Indonesia. So not a lot of people are going to know who he is because he's got a couple of notable names on his record. He fought Chris John back at Super Super Featherweight a few years ago. Uh, he's been in with the likes of Robert Guerrero, who we know a, a former Mayweather uh, opponent uh, and, and really for me they're, they're the only two notable names that I can see on his record where I think maybe some of the casual audiences will know them names because they were relatively big names a few years ago but other than that he doesn't really have any other fighters of note on the record. Now, his record looks 38 wins and three losses, so it looks like a very re- you know respectable record because Crawlers is 33, 6 and 3, so you're kind of looking at two records here that are very similar of stature. The difference being Crawlers has been champion at lightweight before and, and been in with the likes of uh, Jorge Linares twice, so he's been in with world-class opposition. Uh, obviously, he beat Barroso, he uh, beat Dallas Perez to win the title, so he's been in with world-class opposition I, I think for me Crawler it's a big it's a big fight for him he has to win this fight it's a must-win fight for him because if he doesn't win this I don't see any way back to the world title I think this is his, his last opportunity to get a shot at a world title if he wins it great he might get a big shot against one of the, the lightweights in the division but if he doesn't I honestly genuinely couldn't see where else he could go from there but Going over to you then, Jordi. Uh, Crawler's chances in this one. It's difficult to judge it because I don't. Again, you don't really know a lot about Jordan, do you? No, not really. And I mean that can that can be dangerous in itself. I mean, as you touched on, then if Crawler was to lose this, 
you know, it's a long way back. And, you know, his defence is career now, Crawler. But, I mean, on the other hand, if he wins, I always feel like Crawler's on the edge of a world title fight if he's in good form because of sort of like his pull in Manchester. You know, a lot of people get behind him, you know, when when champions are picking volunteers and, and stuff like that. You know, that, that, that does come into it. So, um, you know, I think Crawler's always close to a world title shot. And I think, you know, he needs to probably come through Jordan and in good fashion and, and try getting up back knocking on that door. But, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is dangerous because, you know, as you say, he's got a respectable record. He's fought some notable names and, you know, not we won't really know what, what he's going to bring until probably two or three rounds into the fight. And, you know, hopefully, you know, Crawler can come through it and we can see another big night back at Manchester because it is a good, it is a good sight and it's a good atmosphere when you see Crawler headline at the Manchester Arena. Yeah, no, it is, it is, and it reminds me of, um, of Ricky Hat, the days of Ricky Hatton being there, and, that, and that's what it is. Crawler is, is, is kind of took that mantelpiece of, of being a loved fighter for that's from Manchester, that's uh, kind of made Manchester Arena his home. Uh, and I, I wish him the best luck, and I really hope he does it because I'd like to see him get one more shot. Because, like I say, I've I, I, I speak to him a lot, and uh, I know him on, on a little bit of a personal level, and he, he's such a nice guy outside of the ring, he's one of the nicest guys, and the way people see him on telly. That is the way he is in real life. There's no, there's no bullshit with him. There's no, I'm going to put on a front for the media. He is literally the same, and he speaks exactly the same, the same talk, everything. There's no difference in the way he speaks. That is him, and he's just a, such a genuine guy. So you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping he does the business uh, on Saturday. But another fight then, which has uh, been recently announced in the past few days, which again is a, I'm happy with it because it makes the undercard and the pay per view a little bit more justifiable when you, you've got the likes of Ricky Burns stepping in to fight Scott Cardle when it was obviously supposed to be Cordina and Cardle and uh, a great domestic dust-up but now we're getting sort of the, the you know the three-time world champion former three-time world champion uh, probably coming to the back end of his career now most people will, will, will say and it's probably safe to say it is is that against Scott Cardle who obviously is trying to come back on the up uh, obviously after being defeated by Lewis Ritson earlier on this year he's, he's trying to come back and he's trying to get himself back on top of the mountain domestically. But he's going in with a guy who is a former three-weight world champion. Uh, yes, he's coming towards the end of his career and it's, it's something that we'll, we'll be talking about because I know there's a question that's coming about this for the Q&A segment, but I do, I do feel, uh, and I might be touching on it here actually, I do feel Ricky Burns has got enough left in the tank to beat Scott Cardle. And I do think regardless of, of him being an aged fighter and Scott Cardle's being a little bit fresher maybe, I still think Burns has, has got enough to beat Scott Cardle. I mean, last year, 2017, he gave Crawler a really good fight, Ricky Burns. Yeah. A really good I mean, fight. He, he was, it was close, you know, with Crawler. And, you know, we're talking in... We're talking in the breath of Crawler getting another world title shot. You know, Ricky Burns can't be far behind if, if they just had a really close fight. I mean, I respect Scott Cardle. You know, he's been in some good fights and, you know, that was a brutal one with Ritson. I mean, I didn't quite agree with his tactics to go out and try and have a have a war with Ritson. You know, that's obviously not advisable. And, you know, Patera just showing that there's, there is a way to beat Ritson. And I think Cardle might be kicking himself a little bit after watching that Patera fight. Thinking, you know, because Scott Carroll's a very talented boxer. He is. You know, if he, if he, if he, the, he just went about that fight a little bit different. You know, he could have. I'm not saying he could have beat Ritson, but 
the fight could have been a lot different. And, you know, I think uh, Scotty Cardo might be a bit disappointed with that. But for him, you know, to Tricky Burns, you know, that, that really does boost him if he was to win this on Saturday night. I mean, I think <laughs> I'd anticipate that Burns will have too much. There's a guy for Crawford and various other names. So uh, I would, I would, Say Burns will have too much, but it's a, it is a it's a good opportunity for Carl to get a, a big scalp on his record. Um, absolutely, I agree, Jody. It's uh, it's it, this is a good opportunity if any, for Scott Carlisle to really propel himself back onto domestic level and put himself up there again because if he goes in and beats someone like Ricky Burns who, like I said, I've mentioned it three, this is the third time I'll say it, three-way world champion, if he gets that name on his record, like you've said there, a guy that's been in with... Crawford, a guy that's been in with Kuro Relic, who is obviously in the Super Lightweight Tournament at the moment, a guy that's been in with Anthony Crawler, he went in with uh, Omar Figueroa Jr., a great fight, Zlatan Karnin, Raymond Beltran, Kevin Mitch. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, he has had some career, Ricky Burns, and I hope he's remembered for it because you know what he's done for Scottish boxing has been massive. I mean, we were obviously singing the praises of Josh Taylor, but you know, this guy has played the trail over the over the last, you know, ten plus years. So I mean Ricky Burns is a legend and you know, he'd probably be looking at this as a as a fight, you know, just to get himself get himself back and, and moving and he'd be looking at bigger things I'm sure. But it's a good crossroads fight and one that I'm I'm not so sure which way it'll go. I mean, as I said, I'd probably I'd probably push towards Burns, but you know, it it is a good little addition to this card. No, it is. And obviously now we've got the likes of Josh Kelly on the card. Uh, obviously keeping active against Walter Castillo. And then another good fight which has been announced for the card, which I, I am pleased with because this, for me, makes it sort of four fights on the card where I can actually say we, we don't know what we're really going to get out of it. We're not just going to expect it to be walkovers. So Sam Hyde, Joe Gallagher fighter Sam Hyde, uh, is fighting, and I don't have to pronounce Richard's surname, but Richard uh, Riakpour, I think it is, yeah. um, for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Cruiserweight title. Both are undefeated fighters. Now, I'm happy about this because Sam's a guy I've followed locally in, in a lot of the smaller hall shows uh, and I've covered him and I've interviewed him a couple of times for the YouTube channel and he's not had the opportunities against undefeated well-known fighters like that before and I think this is... Uh, he fought Blaze Menduo back in 2016, who was only 3-0 at the time. But other than that, his record uh, consists really of a lot of people that have got 50-50 records. So, you know, like 13 wins, 43 losses, 20 wins, 23 losses. So, uh, you know, it's been a bit of a building block for him. He had that horrific knee injury uh, yeah. last year, and he's come back from that. And it's, this for me, this is a great fight. This is a great 50-50 fight. And this is exactly what I was happy to see announced on the card because I don't, I hate the fact that sometimes Matchroom just put on these, you know, typical prospect versus journeyman cards and it gets a bit old and it gets a bit boring. And like the card they did the other week where we had Chamberlain and Watkins on the card and we had Cheeseman and Byfield, you know, and, and Doyle uh, against Gill, they were all 50 50 fights. And this is what we want to see. And, and that's what Matchroom have been criticised a lot for is not putting on shows like that. But this is. 
it's starting to to be a bit more justifiable in terms of pay per view. You know, if, if people are, weren't going to pay for it because of Bellew, just Bellew alone, now they've got a reason to to because there's a couple of good 50, 50, 50 fights on there as well, and it's worth paying for now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this Hyde and Riachapur fight. You know, these lads are in a very very exciting cruiserweight division. You know, we've seen Chamberlain and um, Acoli go in early. We've seen Watkins and Acoli, Watkins and Chamberlain. We also seen uh, Craig Glover and Simon Valili. Yeah. You know these lads. These lads are fighting each other, and I'm sure these two want want a little piece of that. I mean, we're sort of getting a little bit of. A, I mean, Acoli's probably moved on now, but and I think Chamberlain's probably on his tail. Probably time they push that rematch, but we we can sort of have a bit of a round robin here where you know we might get some good domestic fights just in this one division, and I think these these two lads have probably seen that and thought, you know, give me a piece of that. And I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm glad Matrim have put it on that short notice. But you know, sometimes you reap the benefits of these fights. And I don't think this on Saturday. I don't think there is a loser. I mean, as long as these two put on a on a good fight for the fans, I think the winner goes on, and the loser's not far behind. No, I agree. Yeah, I do agree with you there. I think um, that seems to have been the case recently with the domestic cruiserweight scene where, you know, like you said, a Coli Chamberlain and then a Coli Watkins and then Watkins Chamberlain, you know, I mean, obviously the Chamberlain and Coley fight was a stink fest. Like, let's be honest, yeah. it was an absolute stink fest. And, and obviously Lawrence has been accused of, of of his tactics in a few of his fights recently. But the domestic scene, cruiserweight-wise, has been brilliant recently. Like you say, with Craig Glover and Simon Valille a couple of weeks ago, it's just really hotting up. And another fight like this... The winner, it doesn't matter, the winner or the loser will still come out of it and still be able to progress on with a career. They're not going to be knocked straight back down because it's, it's, uh, there's, there's not a great, I don't sound disrespectful, but there isn't a massive depth of talent around that, that sort of where these guys are at the moment. So there's usually what, about four or five of them, like you said, like the round robin situation, there's about four or five of them that are in all in the same position or similar position. So it'd be really good to see how it progresses. And this is another good fight for the card for me and I'm looking forward to it and I'm just looking down obviously the card I know Dave Allen's on it and I was just reading a tweet before I came on the podcast and I believe apparently in his last fight he came out to Shawn Michaels' WWE entrance theme apparently this weekend he's coming out to Stone Cold Steve Austin's entrance theme that doesn't that does not surprise me Dave I mean you know I think you see his Twitter handle is like Papa pay, Papi Pay Per View or something <laughs> along them lines and you know He's a, he's a funny bloke and you know getting, he's getting these opportunities and I think you know maybe Saturday might be one that he's expected to win but I think we might see Dave Allen in a big fight towards the end of the year maybe or early 2019 I mean I think the David Price fight might eventually happen I mean I don't know what people think of that or whether Price he wants to come down to sort of British level again but I mean the build up would be fun and you know Dave Allen as I said he He's a funny bloke, but you know he's got to start delivering in the ring now. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it's like I say, a decent card. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be. Uh, it should hopefully be an eventful night for for British fight fans. Uh, again, like I say, really looking forward to that card uh, on Saturday night. And and that sort of that sort of rounds up really. That I think the boxing for this weekend coming up. I don't. Uh, I think there's a couple of other fights that I haven't mentioned that are going on over in America uh, in Chicago. We've got in the cruiserweight division. We've got Marius Brady's going in 
against Noel Givor. And then we've got Christoph Glowacki going in against uh, Maxim Valzov. Uh, that's for the interim WBO Cruiserweight title. So, obviously, Marius Bradis, we know, a uh, guy from the World Boxing Super Series Season 1. You know, he was involved in a great fight with Alexander Usek. And now... He's looking to come back, and it'll be interesting to see whether some of these guys end up back up at the cruiserweight uh, level and, and, and maybe fighting some of these, you know, cruiserweights that are in the world that we've been talking about earlier on. And obviously, you know, Usyk's probably going to move on to heavyweight. I think after this, I reckon. I think he's going to end up going up to heavyweight after the fight with Bellew, win, lose, or draw. Either way, but yeah, that's for me. That sort of covers it for the weekend. I don't know if there's anything I've missed, Jordy. Is there anything I've missed for the weekend coming up? No, I mean, obviously, I was I was going to touch on the Bradis fight. I mean, I think Bradis he had he had probably the most success anyone's ever had against Usyk in the professional ranks. I think Bellew will probably be watching the Bradis fight a little bit. I mean, but as I said, if Usyk goes up, you know, either way, at the end of this fight on Saturday, all these belts are going to be up for grabs because Usyk goes up and Bellew bows out. So, you know, it's going to be a division to keep your eye on, and in you know the coming months and over the next year or so so yeah I think you've covered everything but I think definitely Maris Bredis might be the uh, the man to take over from Yusuf in that division Potentially, we'll see. So, Jordi, we'll just move on and we're going to go to the segment that I put into the show every week. Uh, I don't know if people actually enjoy this segment because I don't really get any feedback on it, to be fair. I'm pretty sure people do, but I'm going to go to this week in boxing history. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Mamma mia! He's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! So, it's this week in boxing history, and what have we got for you on this week's segment? Well, the first one comes from November the 5th, 1994, and it was big George Foreman knocking out Michael Mora in 10 rounds to become the world heavyweight champion at the age of 45. And at that point in time, he was the oldest man ever to win a world title. Jordy, quickly coming over to you. A fight that you remember and a clip that I know you said you've seen today? Yeah, I mean, it was it was you know my timelines basically just boxing, so you know I've seen it a couple of times, but yeah, it's it's a ridiculous achievement, and you know it's good that you're touching on it. Well, moving on is another one for you. Uh, I touched on an Evander Holyfield Riddick Bowl fight. I think it was in last week's segment, and I was talking about the uh, the fan man incident. So November the sixth. And it was 1993, and it was Evander Holyfield who beat Riddick Bowe over 12 rounds uh, to regain the world heavyweight title. And this was the one where the guy came in on the parachute into the middle of the ring, yeah. uh, and then all the guys from the if you watch the video on YouTube, it's just like you just see these guys sort of like laying into him at ringside when the guy lands in the uh, in, in the stadium, and the fight got stopped for I think it was something like 10, 15 minutes or something stupid like that before it carried on. That's one that I think. Every Everybody will remember uh, anybody yeah. that even anybody that wasn't you know was quite young then because in '93 I was only about what was I 
about seven, eight year old in 93, so I don't remember it from the time, but when I go through all the boxing stuff as I got older, it was one that I always came up and I was just like, wow, that was, I can't believe this actually happened. I mean, security these days has, has obviously got to be top dollar, but just can't even imagine to think what could have happened back then. Oh, I know. I mean, it's a pretty much of a, it's a timeless clip, isn't it? Yeah. Well, as you say, if, they, if that was to happen in this day and age, they'd be a, they would be up pro. No, definitely. Uh, going forward then, and um, we'll go to November the 7th, uh, 1988, Roger Mayweather beats Vinnie Pazienza over 12 rounds to retain the WBC super lightweight title. Uh, a fight that's briefly touched on in the Pazienza film Bleed for this, and if it's a film you've not watched yet as a boxing fan, you definitely, definitely need to go and watch it because it's such a great story behind it. I mean, an unfortunate one for Pazienza, but the way... He overcame adversity. is is just something that you know I can I, I can give nothing but credit to the guy. And I, I also love the fact that he follows me on Twitter as well. And and I've been exchanging messages with the guy. It's like you know it's pretty surreal to be even talking to him. To be honest with you, but Jordy, have you have you seen that film Bleed for this? I have, yeah, I have. Great film and what a story. <laughs> I know. I mean, it only briefly touches on the Roger Mayweather fight, and obviously we see where Roger Mayweather's gone now, but. Yeah, Vinnie Paz, it's a, it's a great movie, and as you say, any boxing fans who haven't seen it, they really need to go and watch it, because it's a brilliant, quite a touching story, but yeah. a brilliant one. So, moving on then to the 8th of November, and it's 2003, it was Roy Jones Jr. beating Antonio Tarver to retain the World Light Heavyweight title, and then we go to November the 9th, which, again, there's just so much, I love going through these boxing history uh, bits of information, because there's just some real, real great ones, and November the 9th, a really good one, because we've got 1996, here's a good one for you, Evander, the real deal, Holyfield again, knocked out Mike Tyson in 11 rounds to win the WBA title. This was the first fight of their two fights that they had, and this was at the point where Tyson was, he'd come out of jail, he, he was knocking people out, he beats Bruno for uh, for the world title, and then he goes in against Holyfield, but then just gets so frustrated in the fight, in the same way he did against Buster Douglas, uh, in, the, in, in that fashion, and, and Holyfield beats him. Uh, a fight, it was actually one of the first fights I've seen, because um, I first started getting into boxing, around the time Bruno had won the world title in 95 and then went on to face Tyson and the Tyson fight was the first uh, big pay-per-view one that I actually watched as, as a 10-year-old so uh, to, to see this on the list is just bringing back memories of, of that period of time and it's uh, a fight that will always go down in history because of obviously the fact that Holyfield was never given a chance against Tyson No, and uh, Holyfield's one of my favourite fighters of all time I mean I'm too young to understand, you know, the time of boxing then, but it's something I've always looked back on. And I mean, it was good to see him at the Jeddah show when Callum Smith won. I wasn't there, but I mean, it was good to see him on the TV yeah. and looking so well. And he really is a, a legend of our game. And, you know, it, as you say, it's it's a timeless fight. Absolutely. We'll always look back on it, even in years to come. Absolutely. Only a couple more then to go through before we call it uh, an end to this segment. So on the same night uh, in 1996, Steve Collins knocked out Nigel Benny Manchester. Uh, and also on the same card, this doesn't even seem real. Ronald Winky Wright beat Ensley Bingham over 12 rounds in Manchester. And, you know, that's it, it just seems so hey, surreal. You. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy, isn't it? Like you think of Winky right now, and you think of what he went on to do. But he's fighting, obviously, Ensley Bingham, who, who I know I've, I've met Ensley before a few times because he trains a few local fighters, and he's got his obviously yeah. own gym in Manchester. And it's crazy to think, you know, that that he went in with Winky Wright, who was regarded as one of the great fighters of all time as well. Yeah, I'm sure that's one story he keeps in his back pocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you said that's a. Steve Collins and uh, Nigel Ben, oh, two le- two legends, and you know, as I said, it, as I said about Holyfield looking well, it's good to see Nigel Ben. I don't know if you've seen the clips of him still training now. Yeah, but, you know, he looks just as good. Isn't isn't there a talk of them doing another fight, Nigel Ben and Steve Collins? Yeah, I think they were they were in talks, but that's not something I want to see, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people don't want to see it. But as I say, it's that old fighting spirit; it's hard to let go of, and. I'm sure they'd uh, they'd love to get it on, but I'm not sure that it gets something nowadays. <laughs> no, I don't think it would. I don't think people would want to see that. To be honest with you, I think if they've if they, if they've got anything they want to do, they should just do it behind closed doors. If they want to have like a little bit of a sparring session or something like that, yeah. I just don't think. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to see it. But I can understand like why they'd want to do it because it'd probably mean they'd get some good pay for it. Because I can guarantee someone, some broadcaster would pick it up and, oh. and, and, and make people pay for it. I'm sure they would. Well, we've only got to look at what's just been announced with Mayweather to see that broadcasters and uh, potential backers get behind most things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure someone would, someone would put it on. Absolutely. Well, that calls a halt to this week in boxing history, and we'll go into the next segment of the show, which you just touched on there a little bit. It's news and gossip. So, we've got the news and gossip. Let's talk about what's on everyone's lips at the moment. I don't want to spend too much time on this one, Jordy, to be honest with you, because, first of all, I find this announcement absolutely ludicrous and a load of bullshit, because... Mayweather going in against a 20-year-old MMA fighter is... I think when the world woke up this morning thinking, is this just some photoshopped picture of Floyd Mayweather and some young uh, Oriental fighter? Or is this for real? And then when people started to realise it was for real, that's when... I think that's when all the insults came then. And we spoke about it earlier on today uh, over messaging when we were, I was saying, is this going to tarnish Mayweather's legacy? And we both agree it is. Stuff like this is... I don't I don't find it good for the sport. I don't find it attractive for the sport. I'd, I mean, it's promoting cross, um, cross sort of promotional uh, different types of arts basically uh, mixed martial arts and boxing are two completely different styles uh, of fighting and obviously boxing you get boxing obviously and striking in MMA but you've got to have a different bag of tricks to be an MMA fighter than you have to be a boxer you've got to train a little bit differently and the work you do is different and for me I don't I don't agree with it you, you stick to your own sport and you, you stay with it and for someone like Mayweather who's got the legacy that he has and that he's created the undefeated fighter the guy that's been in with some of the best in the world and, and, and won is to be going in against guys that are unknown like this is for me it's just a money making scheme it's nothing more than just him wanting to stay relevant as a as a as a celebrity more than anything i don't feel it's about the boxing anymore it's not about his legacy anymore it's about him staying relevant and it's about him keeping the the cash flow because he must be spending a lot of money to want to keep bringing it in by doing exhibition bouts like this but jordy what do you think then mate what do you think about this one a bit ludicrous this isn't it Oh, as we said today, it's crazy. I mean, I seen Trist Trist Dixon say something on Twitter. He sort of put 
a comment underneath the video to say how long have I been asleep? And that's sort of how, how I felt. It's like, where has this come from? You know, it's like, I don't think it's going to be an MMA fight or, or a kickboxing fight. I mean, as I said to you earlier, I'm excited to see the, well, I don't think excited is the right word, but I want to see the rules of this match and see what it's actually going to be. But it, it's sad, to be honest with you. Um, I come up with, like, Pretty Boy Floyd, you know, when he was he was an aggressive fighter and he was yeah. just taking everybody out. And, you know, he was special in his peak. He was special. And to see him now, was he 41, 42? He's about 41 in, now. In, a, in a, like, a cross-rules fight in Tokyo on New Year's Eve. It's, it's just It's just not where I wanted it to go or where any boxing fan would like to see Floyd Mayweather, but, you know, money talks and he clearly hasn't got enough of it, surprisingly. And um, if if this is not a pure boxing fight, you know, because these guys are no joke and they've got a crazy skill set. And the kid he's fighting is only 20 and I know he's, his striking is, is well-renowned in that world. So, you know, I think Floyd Mayweather needs to be careful, but it's not something I'll be watching. I mean... Um, no. the, quicker it, the quicker it's done the better for me yeah I agree it's, it's stupid it's absolutely stupid and there's nothing more I want to add to it other than the fact it's just a lot of horse shit I don't, I don't want to see it I'm not interested in it whatsoever um, I, I, I like MMA don't get me wrong I'm not an avid follower of it I like MMA I'm more of a casual when it comes to MMA I'll be honest but when it comes to boxing yeah. I'm more, more sort of a, a hardcore fan I've always been a hardcore fan I've always got into the nitty gritty of stuff and to be doing the media side of things now is amazing and, and like we've just been saying before about being able speak to people and speak to guys in the sport it's, it's, it's you know it's fantastic to pick the brains and uh, hear all the stories but it's stuff like this that just tarnishes it it does boxing has a lot of problems as it is when you talk about you know too many belts in weight classes and you talk about judges scorecards and you talk about drugs in the sport it doesn't need shit like this added on top of it as well this is just something else that every every Body's gonna think they can have a go at doing it in, in some way, shape, or form. It's it's opening the door for all these crossover fights, which I, I, I don't want to see it. It's a simple. I don't want to see it. So I don't want to touch on it anymore because uh, it just gets me more and more riled the more I think about it. I just think no, this is not what I want to see. So other bits of news then. Uh, Kel Brook's uh, announcement has been made about his fight against Michael uh, Zarafa. Uh, Super welterweight division, December the 8th at Sheffield Arena. He's going to be trained by John Fuchs and not Dominic Ingle for this fight, which is, I've mentioned it a couple uh, of, of weeks in a row now about this speculation. Uh, and Obviously, we don't know the ins and outs of everything, but we know that he's not going to be trained by Ingle for this one. Don't know what's going on there in the background, Jordy, but I don't think Fuchs is a bad guy to get in his corner at all. But I'm just at this stage of his career, I'm just wondering why that's happened and what's going on in the background a little bit. Is is, is this can fight ever going to happen? Or I don't know. And is this an opponent really Brooks should be in with at this point in time? I mean, in terms of the Ingle thing, it's been going on for a couple of weeks, as you said, and they put out a statement. I don't know if you've seen it. And he said, you know, don't believe it, he's my trainer. Yeah. I'm just Dr. Forte Ventura. And then today he said, oh no, we're still friends and we still get on, but he's not going to be training me for this fight. So if you look between the lines there, there's something going on. And I don't think that's what Kelbrook needs at this point in his career. Especially, you know, he's had the, the bad loss to Spencer. I know he came back and beat Rabchenko quickly. But um, yeah, I don't think it's something he needs in his career right now. But this fight is for me. 
it's not. I mean, I don't like to get on on boxers back, but I just don't see what this does for for anybody. Don't it, does, mean, it doesn't do anything. He, he needs a fight before the American fight if it ever happens. Which again, that's something I've sort of lost interest in. It's been going on for so long, and you know, I don't think I think both probably are probably on the way down now, and I think they they will get it on next year. I think the money's too big, but yeah, I just don't see what this fight does for anybody. No, I agree. It doesn't do nothing for me. I, he's done it a couple of times now where he's been into these big fights and then came back against a relatively unknown fighter to the wider audience and gone in there, blitzed the opponent away, looked good in doing so, and then kind of builds that hype back up against him uh, for, You know, for people in his corner thinking, you know, actually, yeah, he could do something here. I don't know whether his best days are behind him now. And I'm starting to feel that way a little bit, to be honest. A couple of years ago, maybe 18 months ago, if you would have said that to me, then I would have been said, no, he's in the peak of his career now, and he probably was. I'm starting to feel like maybe he's going to the other side now a little bit, the same side that Amir Khan's been accused of going, which is the latter end of your career, the part of your career where you're more likely to pick up losses, where you're not as sharp and as accurate and as you're a bit more shot-worn than what you once were. And this is the start of the part of the career I'm starting to feel that Kel Brooks in and it's been mentioned before on, on, on this podcast about him being fed to the Lions when he fought Golovkin and obviously yeah. he fought Spence and was outclassed against Spence uh, eventually in the latter end of the fight and, and obviously his eye sockets going and all that sort of stuff involved in it and now this training situation I'm starting to feel like it's coming to the it's the, coming to the latter end of his career um, for, for, for me and I, I, I'd like to see him in a big fight I want to see the can fight, yeah, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose any sleep over it because I don't I don't think it's if it does happen, it'll happen too late. Will I watch it? Yeah, of course I'll watch it. I want to see what happens, but it won't be the same fight it would have been a couple of years before. So I won't be. I as, just don't want to see Brook at one four seven again. If I'm honest, yeah. I know he's got the rehydration clause and talking about that, but I mean, it's a it's a tough tough wake up for Brook to get to one four seven and. I think the Spence fight showed exactly what that does to him. You know, I think he's got the talent, but I think he was he was done in that in that in that Spence fight at that weight. And I think if if Brooks going for big fights, then go for world titles at one five four. Stay away from one four seven for me. Yeah, I agree. Well, on that particular bill, let's talk uh, of the fights that are going to be on there. Dave Allen, we've just been talking about him being on this weekend's bill. Uh, he's also featuring on that bill as well. We've got Josh Kelly, who's also featuring this weekend on that same bill in December. So they're back out very quickly. So that means to me, obviously, they're getting against guys that they're expected to knock over pretty quickly. Spike O'Sullivan makes a return on this card. And then John O'Carroll uh, faces Guillaume Frenos for the IBF Super Featherweight final eliminator so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago I think Tevin Farmer's called out John O'Carroll John O'Carroll wants to fight Tevin Farmer so this is his chance if he beats uh, Freno on that bill then he's going to be the mandatory for that title which will make that fight happen in the future so hopefully we'll get to see that come off later on down the line and then earlier on this week there was uh, the, the announcement which I think everybody knew it was coming Dillian White, Derry Chisora 2. What do you make of that one then, Jordi? Happy it's been made or disappointed it wasn't Ortiz? Yeah, I'd probably prefer to see the Ortiz fight, if I'm honest. I mean, I know there's a lot of speculation about Ortiz and his age and stuff like that, but, I mean, don't get me wrong, the White and Chisora fight, it, it was a good fight, but it was a good fight two years ago. And I sort of 
I would have liked to see White move on and try and knock on that Wilder Joshua though. I know he will he will get lined up for Joshua on April thirteenth anyway if he wins. But I mean, I think I'd have, if I was him or advising him, I'd have tried to get you know a fresh opponent. Don't get me wrong, the build up would be would be good fun and he'll probably they'll probably have it out again. But I'd anticipate White to stop Chisora this time. It would be a good fight. I'm not going to lie. It will be a good fight. But we was talk- I touched on it earlier about the 22nd of December and it being a night where you, you, you're stuck between two cards and you've got them going up against Frank Warren and the Frampton-Warrington card, which at the moment is stacking up to be a really, really good card. And I don't know, yeah. I don't know whether I'm going to want to watch I think I prefer to watch Phantom Warrington if I'm being honest with you because I feel that would be a, a fight that's happening at the right time as opposed to this one where it's already happened you probably know what you're going to get and you expect Dillian White to go on to face Joshua in April like you said yeah I mean the undercard will probably will probably sway some of the more hardcore viewers I mean I think the more you know in inverted commas casual fans will watch the Eddie Ayn card but I definitely think the better main event is Frampton Warrington. Yeah. I mean, JJ Metcalf against Liam Williams, that's a cracking fight. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, if they don't know JJ Metcalf, you know, obviously the son of Shane Arian, he's, he's in, the kid's a beast in his own right. He, he does not stop coming. And Liam Williams, obviously, been in them good fights with Liam Smith. So I think that fight might be one where it might start cautious, but I think that one will be, will be played out in the centre ring. I've got Mark Heffron on that bill as well, so he's going to be fighting for the vacant British middleweight title, which obviously Wellborn's vacated to fight for the world title against Jarrah Hurd. So obviously we've got Mark Heffron's going to be going in there. Don't know who he's going to be fighting as yet. Hopefully it's going to have to be someone within that top five British domestic scene, and we'll get to see him in with a decent fight. But he's on the card. There's a few local yeah. Northwest prospects on that card, so I think it'll be a really good one. I think it's just the main event's going to be a cracking fight between Frampton and Warrington. And for me personally when people say oh are you gonna what are you gonna watch that night well <laughs> i'll be honest with you i'll probably try and um somehow manage to get both of them going and i'm not gonna say how i'm gonna do that <laughs> but i'm i'm probably gonna try and get both of them on the go somehow uh to, to, to get them watched if i can because i'm probably they'll probably be at similar times but saying that frank warren he likes to put them shows on really late so we may get frampton warrington at about half 11 yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure how that will go down in the crowd. I mean, it's so close to Christmas, and I think there could be a lot of uh, a lot of partying going on in that day. But as you said, Frank Warren likes them to run late, and I don't think the main events. I mean, they may cross over slightly, but I think you you might get away with being able to watch both, as you said. And however you do that, then good luck to you. But um, yeah, I think the better the better main event for me is Frampton Warrington. I think. You know, Frampton with Jamie Moore has gone up another level. And I think this is going to show in this fight because Warrington is a game kid in his own right. He's a world champion. Not a game kid, he's a world champion. And rightly so, he snatched that belt from Selby. And he was the deserved winner on that night. Well, I've got no other bits of information to come out of this week because it is only Monday and things change every day. So, uh, Jordy, is there anything else before we move on to the final segment of the show? No, no. I mean, you've covered everything, and as you say, it's Monday. We could 
we could have anything tomorrow, as we've just seen with the Mayweather thing. We could wake up to absolutely anything. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Podcast every night of the week. <laughs> that's also true. Uh, so we'll go into the Q&A section then. So first of all, thanks everybody uh, for putting your questions over to us via social media uh, this week. The first one is from a friend of the show, Paul Altai. So he says, seeing some great fights over the weekend on two good platforms, but what three changes would you make to each? So I'm assuming... Paul, you're referring to the fact that World Boxing Super Series was on the YouTube platform and the Ultimate Boxer was on Channel 5 this weekend and obviously it was on, I think it was a Sport Bible I think it was on first, if I remember right um, so I'll answer it first and I'll let you have a go Jordan and see what you think uh, in terms of changes to the platforms I, I'm really happy that, that, that they've shown the Ultimate Boxer on Terrestrial TV. I just think they need to be getting the rights to it a little bit earlier on, and maybe they should have been showing it directly on Channel 5 from around the time the actual the quarterfinals started, rather than showing it on Sport Bible. And don't get me wrong, I know Sport Bible is a massive media outlet via social media, and I can understand why they've kind of wanted to get the viewership through that way, but if you're going to put it on Terrestrial TV... You know, get it on there earlier on. More people will, will, will more inclined to tune in. For me personally, and this goes back down to the fact that people might want to prefer to watch it on their actual TV as opposed to trying to scramble to watch it on a smaller device, which was something uh, Martin Fearbold was saying from New Age Boxing Podcast. He was talking about in social media. He was a bit old school now. He likes to watch it on his TV. I know a lot of them, you can watch it through smart TVs and stuff now and you can cast it like I was saying earlier. But I think for me, that something like Ultimate Box should get the full mainstream treatment. Uh, the only the only sort of criticism would be, the, the, I was saying it I think a little bit earlier on at the start of the show, that I wasn't really keen on the Radio 1 presenter doing the presenter's job uh, on the Ultimate Boxer. I wasn't really too keen on, on that. Um, but other than that, I was I was quite happy with it. I was quite happy with the event. It was a good event. And in terms of changes, uh, that's it really for me. I think it's just giving it more terrestrial time rather than waiting until 10 o'clock at night to actually get it on Channel 5 where you'd probably get more younger viewers you know you get the demographic of it it'll be a little bit better if you get it on at an earlier time and as opposed to having to watch it on uh, something like a tablet or a phone i think it's, it's you're more likely to get more viewership that's just my opinion anyway i mean that could just be a lot of shit and people could just say something completely different but that's how i think about it but what about um you i mean let's talk about that ultimate boxer one then first what changes would you want to see to that jordy if any yeah i think it i think it flows quite well i mean <laughs> I know the music part is is part of their product, so I mean that's not everyone's cup of tea. So I don't know whether that would be something to look at. But I think you're all right in terms of getting it on TV earlier. I think what time did it go out? Ten, ten o'clock. Ten o'clock, yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's tough to get. It's tough, to, as you say, to get the viewership. So I think try and make it into a bit of a fight night. Yeah, exactly. Rather than rather than you know just just catching the end of it. I mean, the production and the money that's gone into it. And sort of, you know, I know they had Dave Caldwell on the in the uh, punditry and stuff like that. You know, put that out to people, let them see it from start to finish. You know, you you will get more fans that way, and obviously the fighters get more exposure. I'm not saying they won't get exposure on Sport Bible because I know they have a lot of they have a lot of people going to their site. But I'd say get it on terrestrial TV earlier, and you know, let's try and give these lads and girls, if it ever goes that way, 
um, some better exposure. Yeah, I'd agree on that. Um, World Boxing Super Series, and we talked about that a little bit earlier, the fact that it was uh, World Boxing Super Series. The Sourlands done a great job in the fact that they're not making us pay to watch this this time round, whereas they made us pay for it a lot last last season uh, in the tournaments. And this time round, they decided to stream it through their YouTube channel. I'm hearing that it was something around 130, 140,000 people tuned in on their channel, around 120, 130 tuned in on IFL. I'm not sure about the boxing news one i'm not sure how many people tuned on them but i'm just reading that on social today uh, about them figures uh, I, I don't really have a bad word to say about it to be honest with you uh, in terms of changes i mean do people really want to go and watch it on itv box office and pay a tenner to watch it or 15 quid or whatever it is they want to charge or would you rather watch it on uh, an application like youtube where like I said, and the majority of people in this day and age have devices which can either cast to a larger device or have the devices to be able to watch it on a Skybox or a Virgin Box or whatever and can just watch it there and then on the telly. I think obviously, like you said earlier, Jordy, about the fact that they need to make sure they've got the right level of, of IT equipment in terms of servers to make sure that they don't get overrun with traffic so that it buffers, that would be the only downside to it. In terms of commentary team, they had Barry Jones, uh, Ronald McIntosh, who I'm not a massive fan of as a commentator um, and he loves the word discombobulated um, <laughs> but Barry Jones I've always liked him I've interviewed him a few weeks ago he's been on our podcast and you know he's a great guy I've always appreciated you know he has his own opinion and he'll stick to it whether you like it whether you don't Roland McIntosh he's alright I suppose he's not the greatest commentator in the world but he does he does the, the best job that he can do and it wasn't a bad punditry team Um I, I enjoyed the show in general. I, I don't think... I don't know. At the top of my head, I don't know if there's anything else I'd want to see out of it at this moment in time. I think the whole presentation of the show in general is really, really good. I, I think, for me, you've just got to keep looking at what people want and, and, and trying to cater to that. And if people are screaming out for a certain way of doing it, then listen to them. And the Sowland seems to be pretty good at doing that, to be honest with you. I mean... I had someone covering the show for us for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat and I messaged, I reached out to him. Uh, I think you might have seen that in our WhatsApp group. I reached out to him directly and he replied to me and, and said yeah. to me, get, you know, get in contact with such and such a body. So that just goes to show, you know, how how much of decent guys they are, that they, they give you the time of day and they'll listen to fans genuinely. So I, I don't really have any changes, Paul, to answer your question on that one. I don't know about you, Jordy, but would you want to see any changes to the way they did the, the whole YouTube format for the World Boxing Super Series? No, I think we touched earlier, it worked perfect, uh, as long as it doesn't buffer. And the only thing for the World Boxing Super Series as a whole that I maybe try and change is just to try and get the atmosphere of the, the arena over to the people watching on YouTube or or their site. Yeah. Sometimes it can look a bit quiet and it can be taken away by the lighting production that they have, which I have to mention, it is brilliant. I do enjoy that. But, I mean, you know, I do sort of like yeah, the end shows when you can see everyone having a good time and, and the atmosphere is right up. I'd like them to, to you know, try and push that over and try and raise the atmosphere a little bit, especially in Glasgow. Yeah. You know, they really they really knew um, know how to get behind the fighter. And it would have been good to be able to see t- to be able to see that watching from home. So moving on then to uh, Greg Doyle, uh, the great Doyle. 
Is Ricky Burns versus Scott Cardle actually a closer fight than we think, uh, given that Burns is closing down on his career and Cardle has youth and a new spring in his steps since changing his training team? How will the fight go? I think we've probably covered the majority of that off uh, in our little preview of that fight, Jordy. I think, is it a closer fight than what we think? Um, I don't think it's a one-sided fight, that's for sure. Like I said earlier, I do expect Burns slightly slightly favour to, to win this one because of the experience he's got and uh, what he's achieved and, and and he's still got it at his age, he still seems to be able to hang it with it, we'll see on the night, it's a crossroads fight, you said it right Jordan. it is a crossroads fight, Scott Cardle can come of age if he beats Ricky Burns and he can really propel himself but Ricky Burns can put himself right back into a title picture again because people might want to see him with another world title shot, it's possible, uh, how will the fight go down, Um I think for for Ricky Burns, he's got to control the fight early. He's got to win the first six first six rounds for me. If he doesn't, then maybe that's where I feel Scott Cardle's youth uh, may come into play later on in the fight. We'll see. It's a crossroads fight, Jordy. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I think it is close. I don't. I mean, it's definitely not one of them where you say you know Ricky will go in there and dispatch him within a couple of rounds. You know, Cardle and will have his own ideas. So I think, yeah, it is it is a closer fight than people are saying. But um, I don't think we'll really know until he get in there, you know, what's Ricky got left and how's Cardinal adapted to a new team. It's one of them where we're not really going to know until this fight takes off. No, I agree. We'll see what happens. Uh, there's only one final question. It's yours. It's before you was uh, due to come on the podcast, funnily enough. But it's a it's a very valid question, and it's going to be one that's going to get the the shit debated out of it because you've asked the question. Uh, what would go down as the bigger victory? Should it happen, Bellew over Usyk or Fielding over Canelo? So I'm going to answer this first, and then I'll want to see what your thoughts are on it, uh, on, on on what you think about that. So I think. Uh, top of the head, I think if Fielding was to beat Canelo, that for me would be the bigger victory because of the fact that you think about Rocky Fielding's career and what he's done in it so far, what he's achieved at this point in time, he, he's only got a portion of the WBA title. Let's remember that. He hasn't... We've got Callum Smith as the super WBA champion and the regular WBA champion as Rocky Fielding. So he's going over there to fight Canelo, who is obviously a middleweight champion, but he's moving up to super middleweight and has been in and beat some of the great fighters of uh, this generation so far and been in with some of the best, uh, only defeat to, obviously, Floyd Mayweather, who we were talking about earlier. Rocky Fielding, for me, beating Canelo would definitely be the biggest victory by far, because with Tony Bellew over Usyk, I think with Bellew, what he's already achieved up until this point is is more, with all due respect to, to Rocky Fielding, is, is more than what Rocky Fielding has achieved in his career for me so far, what Bellew's done. And I, I, I only slightly... But he won the WBC title at Cruiserweight. Uh, it's a, it was the full title. It wasn't a portion of the world title. And he had been in with David Hay twice and won. Yes, he was probably over the hill, but it was still a reputable name to get on his record. For Rocky Fielding, obviously his biggest win was the world title over Tyrone Zeuger. Uh He got a good win against David Brophy as well last year. But I think given the fact that Canelo is... A one of a kind fighter for me, uh, regardless of 
the thoughts on the, the drug testing stuff and all the rest of it. Just take out that out of the equation for a second and how I feel about that. If you're putting it just purely down to skill and ability uh, and expectation, if Fielding was to beat Canelo for me, that would be one of the biggest upsets of all time, for sure. Absolutely. If Bellew was to beat Usyk, I think you always think that he's got a chance with Tony because of he's been put up against the odds before and he's been, been able to overcome him. And I think that's what you kind of expect with Tony Bell, you know, whereas with Fielding, you, I think there was probably a lot of people out there that wasn't expecting him to even win a portion of the world title. So for him now to be in there with Canelo, uh, one of the pound for pound greatest fighters in the world, will go down as a legend, even after whatever he does in the rest of his career. For him to beat Canelo, for me, would be an absolute achievement, a lifetime achievement, something that will go down in boxing history. It would be as big as Buster Douglas beating Tyson. That's how big it would be for me. But, Jordi, let's come over to you. You asked the question. In your mind, what would you see as the bigger upset? I mean, I asked it because I've, I've constantly been going over it in my mind and you know, I've been working on a couple, of, a couple of pieces for covering the Rocky and Canelo fight. And the more you weigh it up, you just these guys were never meant to meet. You know, they they're literally they're from sort of obviously different weight classes, but different worlds as well. Canelo is the biggest star in the sports. You know, there's an argument with Joshua and stuff like that, but you know the amount of money that Canelo's earning is is insane. So I think if Rocky was to beat Canelo, where does that leave Rocky? Does that let him take Canelo's place? As like the the man in boxing, and that's hard to believe. But you know, if he if he can somehow achieve this, which he can, by the way, he has got some advantages in his in his favour. It's a massive task, but you know, I'd love him to do it. And I think you're probably right. I think that would be be the bigger achievement, really, because of sort of where it would lead his career. Bellew, if he we know if he win loses or draws, he he's walking from this game. So. It's also be would be an ideal farewell, but if Rocky was to do this, as you say, it, it, it's up there with Douglas and Tyson, and that does sound crazy to say because it does. You know, this is just Rocky Fielding, who's just won the regular title, and to be in this fight and uh, touching on the drug stuff, I hope Rocky does it from that sense. But yeah, I hope he does it as well because I'd love to see where this where this journey had taken if he used to be Canelo. Yeah, this could yeah. go anywhere. Absolutely, I agree. Um. I don't think there's there's anything more I can add to it. I think that for me that is the that is the definitive answer on that is that uh, Rocky Fielding, you know, I don't even if he beat, you know, say he does beat Canelo uh, in in December and he, and he goes, he's not gonna he's not automatically gonna be taking Canelo's place because he hasn't done what Canelo's done up until this point. It certainly certainly put him uh, right up there, and and everyone will go hunting for him. Of course they will. Everybody's going to want his head because he's shown yeah. he's shown he can be beaten and he can be blown away. The Callum Smith fight, he was blown away, and people are always going to go back to that. And you know, even after that fight, when he had that comeback fight, um, I can't remember. Was it Rebrasse for? And I think yeah, and he had a close one with Ryder. Yeah, didn't he? yeah, exactly. I people start saying as he found his ceiling. So I think that's what I'm, I'm trying to touch on in terms of it being interesting. Like if he was to wipe the wipe the man out. You know, it, I just, I just love to see where that leaves Fielding, just from you know being interested in boxing, you know what, how the world will view that that victory. I think that's the most interesting thing. So, 
Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I totally agree with you. Um, and for that's it for questions this week. That is everything, and uh, that is pretty much wraps up this episode uh, of the podcast. Jordi, have you got anything else you wanted to touch on this week? No, not really. I think it's been very enjoyable being on. Um, thanks for having me on, and hopefully I'll be on again. Uh, where can where can people find you on the social? Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I mean, I use Twitter the most. My handle is just at Jordanield. So if people want to head over there, it would be appreciated. And I've got a lot of stuff coming out in the next coming weeks. I'm working on quite a few exciting things, so... Hopefully, I can get that out to the people and try and get some recognition. Definitely, I, I would definitely recommend the listeners of the podcast to come and follow uh, Jordan because I tell you what, he, he he's come on to Eastley Boxing and Pete's website, done a few articles, and you know they've been really impressive. And uh, I, I do genuinely believe there's a lot more to come and uh, a lot more quality stuff to come. And obviously, you've been covering a lot of shows, and you're going to be covering shows for for Eastley Boxing and Pete's. So you know, it, it's just going to all be good experience and and and, and the opportunity to to get some more good features articles out and interview a few fighters along the way and it's a great journey to be on and obviously I'm glad that you're a part of it. Uh, in terms of the listeners then, you know where to follow us by now, it's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast on Facebook, we're on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, YouTube, you can find us on all good available podcasting apps and if you want to send any emails to us it's beyondtheropesboxingpodcast at gmail.com, you want to send any questions uh, you've got anything else you want to cover off please just drop us a message uh, you can find me at Sean Basto ESBR on the Twitter and, and that's about it for this week so thanks everybody for listening as always and we'll speak to you on the next episode of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast That's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.